messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Psalm 16 that said, God, you are our refuge. Do you know what a refuge is? The word here is used for a quiet place, a quiet, safe place. You know, it's interesting that um, one of the movies that is out nowadays, I think it's, uh, I can't remember the title, you can help me here, is it Quiet Place 2? Is that the name of it? Uh, made by uh, John Krasinski. He did, you know, Quiet Place 1, he was in it. I don't know if he's in the second one or not, but nonetheless. The movie, it, the first movie, at least from what I had seen, talks, you know, the entire movie, they're quiet. Like, they don't make any noises because there's these things outside of the house that could come get them. How many of you could survive <laughs> being quiet? No, I mean, in, in your normal day-to-day, how quiet would you say you typically are? I'd say some of us aren't quiet even when we're sleeping, right? Right, ladies? <laughs> I, uh, I uh, admittedly, I wear a mouthpiece. Um, I don't know if you knew, I fell on some playground equipment a couple months back, and I hit my face right here, and I took a picture while I was laying in bed when I had my mouthpiece in, so my teeth were all black, and it looked like I lost all my teeth, and I had this big black eye. But I wear this mouthpiece to, you know, keep from snoring and stuff like that, and I grit my teeth really hard. You know, kind of a tangent, I know, but but even when I sleep, I make noises. I snore, and who knows what other things come out of me. <laughs> but nonetheless, nonetheless, how often are you quiet? I mean, let's, let's just let's say it for what it is. Is it when you're driving to work? Because think about it, when you get in your car, what's the first thing you do? Radio, right? Or something on your phone. What's the first thing when you do when you wake up? Facebook, email, text messages. Sure, those things may not make noises, unless you're getting notifications at a time. But it's still a noise, isn't it? It's still other people's voices coming into your head saying, this is how I want your day to go. I don't look at my email except for two times the day, during the day. Once when I get to work and again at lunch. Because you know why? And I've said this before. My email can easily become my day. Because this is everybody else's important thing for the day for me to do. Nah. I got stuff to do. I've got priorities. My boss has put things in place for me to do, not for you to ask me... You know, sure, I'll answer a question if it doesn't take very long. You know, the rule of thumb is two minutes. If it's going to take you more than two minutes, wait till later. So refuge. Where is your quiet place? God, is God your refuge? Do you spend quiet time with God? Yeah, sure, you can listen to a song. You can hear somebody else's sermon, because you're probably not going to want to listen to me again. Sure, you can get God out of that stuff. I, yeah, you sure can. I do all the time. But what about that quiet time? What about that intimate time? To spend time with the God that wants to spend time with you. God is our strength. You know, when you think about strong, you probably look up here. But um, I think it is me last as I thought. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe that's a good thing, right? But nonetheless, I... I admittedly did not feel very strong the other day. I was, Frank and I and Adam were moving this big wooden platform thing around the pool, and Frank got up, and he's just hoisting it up. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> I gotta stop. I can't walk here. This thing was heavy. So when you see strength, you see strength right over there. But what, what is, what is strength? Is it 
Being able to bench press 450 pounds? Is it being able to squat 550, 600 pounds? Is it being able to deadlift that much? Is it? Is that strength to you? Does that stuff matter up in here? When the circumstances and the troubles and the things that are going on in your life happen, does it matter if you can bench press a lot of weight or not? Nah. So how do you measure strength? Because I can guarantee you a time in your life is going to come when you can't do it. And if it hasn't happened, just keep living. The amount of time that we have on this planet is limited, unless God just takes you from it. But I have not known anybody in my life to do that, unless they were biblical characters. So a time will come when you can't do it. Is he your strength? A very present help in trouble. You know, I've been up here for maybe 10 minutes already, and I've only gotten through one verse. I own Pastor Dan, right? <laughs> a very present help in trouble. Do you know what that's saying? Always there when you need me. How many of you could say you believe that? Yeah, sure, you can raise your hands, but you know what really tests that? When those times come. You know, you can really learn about a person when something comes that just shakes them. That's impossible, so to speak. You know, I, I like a show called The Mandalorian. And in one of the episodes, uh, Mando has to compromise his belief system in order to help save um, Baby Yoda. And during that, he's sidekicked with, yes, I'm a nerd, I get it. <laughs> he's sidekicked with this other guy that's like, you know, telling him like, do you really believe in the Mandalorian creed? Because I just, I know what I've seen. I've seen you compromise. I've seen you change the ways of the Mandalorian. You know, it's not a spoiler alert. It's just a part in the show. But, you know, how we live, how we act, trumps what we say. And I'll give you one even better. God knows what's in here. You can tell me all day that you're a Christian. That's great. But God knows you ain't fooling anybody. And so with that, he's like, I am always with you. You know what the real issue is? It's not me being with you. It's you being with me. I am always there. It's you who is not always with me. You know, the last couple weeks, I've probably been doing this a lot to you guys stepping on your toes. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, it's real easy for us not to be, be around him when tough times come. Or even when the good times come. Let's face it, I mean, who gets the glory? Does God? Or do we? Do we self-indulge ourselves? Like, oh yeah, I did a great job. I preached a great message last couple Sundays. Believe me, I don't do that. The psalmist says, therefore, verse 2, therefore, we will not fear. God is our refuge. God is our strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Now, fear is a very powerful thing. In fact, it's probably one of the greatest weapons that the enemy uses against us. And fear comes in multiple different I mean, what I may be afraid of may not be what you are afraid of. I can tell you I look at a roller coaster and I want to run the other way. But a lot of you guys like to ride roller coasters, right? <laughs> Thank you, Lori. I get scared. <laughs> I, I, my family's laughing because they know. But there are things that don't scare me that may scare you, right? But the enemy knows that if he can get you afraid, especially to do God's work and do God's will, then he's got you. You ain't going to do anything. 
Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Have you ever been in an earthquake? Oh, there's some that have. I've never been in an earthquake. I've been around a tremor. Um, used, used to have metal lockers at the place I used to work out in, in Clinton, and they shook a little bit. Kind of like, well, that was weird. It's kind of one of those things. Like, never been in an earthquake where the entire community, the entire city is shaking. I've never been in one of those. You know, the psalmist, the psalmist is writing about what he saw coming. He saw the armies of Assyria coming. So big, so strong, so mighty, that they literally shook the ground as they walked. You know, what in your life is walking around that's shaking the ground? That's essentially like tearing the earth apart. Tearing your spirituality apart. Tearing your hope apart. Because ultimately, if we're all in here, it shouldn't be tearing our hope apart. But for some of us, it may still be. You know, have you ever watched, so when you get my age and you have kids, you don't get to watch what you want. You get to watch what they want. And that's okay. I mean, especially if you find something that's enjoyable. I, um, I like Lego Batman, the movie. And interestingly enough, there's a part in the movie where Gotham City is only held together by like two really thin Lego planks. And it, it starts to break apart. And it makes me wonder, like, is our spirituality just kind of held together by thin little planks? You know, when we see the earth, the word here for remove is change. When we see the earth change, when you see your life change, when you see your finances change, when you see your health change, what are you hoping in? Who is your refuge and who is your strength? It's real simple. You know, we see the earth changing hands really quickly. You know, we put so much emphasis in politics. It changes hands from Republicans to Democrats all the time. Do things ever really get any better? Not for me the answer. We see democracies fall. We see regimes fall all the time. The earth is going to change hands. Your life is going to change. You may want things to stay the same, but guess what? When you wake up tomorrow, tomorrow's a new day. What happened today may not carry over into tomorrow. The results of something may not carry over into tomorrow. You can't bank on that. You've got to adapt and overcome for you Marines that are still in here. Because things change, right? How many of you would say that your life stayed the same after last year? How many of you would say that anything really stayed the same after last year? Things change. You've got to adapt. But God is saying, you don't adapt yourself. You adapt with me. Because you know why? I don't change. I don't. I am the same God who is strong enough and powerful enough to handle your problems. I am the same God that you can talk to in the quiet place of your home. You know, you ever think about uh, the movie War Room, uh, a place to pray. How many of you would say that you have a war room that you go to often to pray and give God your issues? And it doesn't have to be a room. It can be a, your car. You know, I don't recommend you close your eyes while you pray when you're driving, but you know what I'm saying, right? My quiet place literally is from 4.05 to 4.20 when I get to the gym. That's my quiet place. And then afterwards when I'm going to work, after I work out. So it's different for everybody. I get it. But what God is saying is you've got to have it. You've got to do battle in that quiet place with me because I am your strength. You can put your hope into other stuff. That's great. And it may get you by temporarily. It ain't going to get you by into eternity. Though the waters roar and be troubled you ever been by the sea like during a storm and seen like wave after wave hit the rocks and just kind of seems like it's going to take out anything in its path i used to watch uh oh the deadliest catch i think it was called and you'd see those ships the monster ships you know they're getting crabs and whatnot and they're 
there's icebergs and ice floating around, and the water just coming over, just taking over things. You know, it's, doesn't that seem like life? Just the problems of, are like this big sea, and it's just overcoming everything, your, your best efforts. You know, and what's interesting about this passage is, you know, it's, it may be something that God has ordained in your life to happen. But you know what? God could also lead you to it. If you think about the disciples when they were led out on the boat, and Jesus just so happened to be taking a nap while the storms of life were overtaking the boat. Do you know who got in that boat first? It was Jesus. We often don't read that part. We read, just read the part about where Jesus says, oh, you of little faith, because they had to wake him up. But Jesus got in the boat first. He led them to trouble. You ever think about that? Like, what if the stuff that's going on in your life is there for a purpose? What if it's going on because God is trying to get you to come back to him? Like, it's not me that's who's left. It's you. I want to be your refuge. I want to be your strength. Return to me and I will be. Doesn't mean the problem's going to go away. Doesn't mean really anything in your own mindset for how you want it to go. It's going to go how he wants it to go. Tonight I'll be teaching on 2 Kings 13. Elisha dies. For those of you who f are familiar with who Elisha is, he's a godly man. A, go a man of God that I aspire to be. You know what? He died. The disciples, they died. You know, Elijah got to be taken away into heaven without dying. You know, that'd be great too, right? And Elisha saw that. But God said, mm-mm, sorry. In fact, the Bible is explicit. It says he got an illness that was going to cause him to die. I can tell by your body language you're just loving this message. <laughs> Verses 4 through 7. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. He shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. And if you don't know that, this the Lord, the God of angel armies. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So I had to write this one down. I couldn't quite remember the name. So here in verse 4, the psalmist is writing about the spring of Gihon. Assuming I pronounced that right. So the spring of Gihon was a water source for the people of Israel. However, it was outside the city. And because it was, it was exposed to enemy attack. So King Hezekiah, as the psalmist is writing, the psalmist knew that King Hezekiah took it upon himself to divert the water straight to the Holy of Holies, and secondly, to cover it. So King Hezekiah had the wherewithal to take this water source that was outside the city gates, turn it to the people, and cover it so it wouldn't get attacked by enemy forces. So when the psalmist is talking about a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, they're talking about a literal water source that's making glad the people, that's refreshing the people. So if you turn that into a spiritual thing, where is the water source now? It's within us. We are supposed to be that spring that brings out in other people joy, peace, and other things. And so when the psalmist is writing, he's not just writing at the present time, he's writing future time. He has a prophetical sense. Because if you remember, when Jesus had the encounter with the Samaritan woman, he said, if anybody drinks of this water, they will have living water. Not just, you know, it's going to quench your thirst periodically. No, the Holy Spirit is going to quench your life. That same water is to be shared with everybody else. Interesting, isn't it, how you could take something from Old Testament and turn it into New Testament. But I like to think about sometimes, I mentioned this in the video as well, our lives as Christians are often like the Hoover Dam. Who's been to the Hoover Dam? Okay, we need a church trip, apparently. <laughs> I've only seen it on TV. Um, 
I always think of Vegas Vacation whenever I think about the Hoover Dam, but nonetheless. <laughs> you can't get bait there, anyway. <laughs> but nonetheless, I think about the Hoover Dam. You think about, you know, how it shapes, you know, curved shape. I'm not doing a very good job there. It's kind of curved shape. There we go. <laughs> I'm glad I graduated. <laughs> Anyways, this curved shape goes around, you know, the road goes over it, whatever. I think about the Hoover Dam, and you have this huge water source on one side, and what do you got coming out the tail end? A creek? A miniature river at best? Wouldn't that explain a lot of our Christianity? That we have this living water source, this monstrous water source on one side, but yet because of our own lives and our own thoughts, our own ways because we know better than God does just enough trickles out for us to look like Christians just enough where we're only surface level Christians we don't have any in-depth to us I don't know about you but I want that water source pouring over coming out encompassing the city below now yeah you know what I mean I want people to drown in my joy if you will I want God to radiate from me so much so that people are intoxicated with it. They get drunk on how much water I give them. A lot of us are probably like, amen, right? <laughs> you gamblers and drinkers out there, come on. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. So th the next thing you got to think about is who is with us and where is he? Does God reside within me? Are you that holy place of the Spirit of God? You know, believe it or not, and whether you want to believe it, you are a walking billboard for Christ Jesus. A billboard. Not some little, you know, sign thing. I'm talking like encompasses the entire road that whenever somebody drives by it, they're going to see it kind of thing. That is you. Hopefully, it is you. Hopefully, everybody is, wow, that person must be a Christian because of the way they acted. And notice I'm not saying the way they spoke. Because John is pretty explicit in 1 John 3.18. Let us not love with word or tongue, but in deed and in action. I love this verse here at verse 6. It says, The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He, with a capital H, uttered his voice, and the earth melted. In other words, this is just saying that whenever God speaks, the earth does what he wants it to. Have you ever thought of it that way? When God speaks, the earth does whatever he wants it to. Man, if we could be so obedient. If God spoke to us and we did whatever he wanted to, it'd be a pretty different place, wouldn't it? I'd think so. You know, what if everybody prayed? What if everybody got in their scripture? You know, we all say that we want to be better Christians. We want to pray more. We want to read more. And yet, we spend more time on the couch in front of the TV than we do anything. Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, I got them too. I watch them too, but I make time. I make time. Not just, you know, that some people think, well, that's what commercials are for, is to spend time with God. <laughs> I, I can assure you they're not. The nations raged and the kingdoms were moved. Depending on what translation you say, it's basically the the kingdoms and the nations can say whatever they want, but God trumps them when he speaks. Verses 8 through 11. Come behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Everybody knows this verse probably. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. 
The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. You know, I, verses 8 and verse 10 are actually commands. When you don't obey a command, what are you doing? Disobeying, right? And what is disobedience to God? Sin, right? Come behold the works of God. When was the last time you went to your quiet place and just remembered what God has done in your life? And it doesn't have to be your quiet place, I guess, but when was the last time you just sat back and thanked God? Prayers of thanksgiving. Have you ever been thankful in the middle of a crisis? Have you been thankful in the middle of your circumstances? You know, I heard a story about somebody, how their church spent the time before they did anything just sitting down and writing everything they're thankful for. And the guy said, I looked up and 20 minutes were gone. Now, some of you are probably like, if I lost 20 minutes, I don't know how my day would go. But isn't that what we're talking about here? Why are we so busy? Why are we so loud? Why can't we spend time with God? Why aren't we available to God? I mean, that's, those questions need to be answered by you. He wants to be your refuge. He wants to be your strength. He wants to be your ever-present help in trouble. He wants to give you living water for other people. He wants to bless those through you. You know, too often do we spend time asking for blessings for ourselves when in actuality we should be asking for blessings to help other people. You know, that's what, how a blessing works, right? Pay it forward, so to speak. Behold his works. Why should we behold his works? Because whether you want to believe it or not, you're in a spiritual war. Ephesians 6, Paul talks about putting on this armor of God. Not just one time, not just two times, and not even a third time. Every day. In fact, so much so that I've been teaching it on it on Sunday school. You've got to wear your armor every day. Because you may think you know how the day is going to go. You don't think Pastor Dan thought he knew how this weekend was going to go? You may think you know. But God's like, you have no idea. But I want you to be prepared. Because how you respond is the most important thing about you. Because others will watch you and see how you respond to each anything in your life. Also, the call to believe. Verse 10 is a command. Be still and know that I am God. Does it say, now I read New King James, not all, all of you are going to read from King James or New King James. Does your Bible say, be crazy? And know that I am God? Be super busy and know that I am God? Have turmoil and chaos going in your life and know that I am God? I'm pretty sure your version, if you're reading from an accurate scripture, is going to say, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Why, again, why is it that quiet is so scary? I, there's a show on YouTube called Good Mythical, Good Mythical Morning, and they do a lot of just dumb stuff. I mean, imagine that, me watching something dumb. Um, but they do a lot of, like, uh, what is the best ice cream or what is the best pizza? What is, you know, okay, you know, that's fun stuff or camaraderie and talking about it at work. But they do one episode that's really funny, or at least it was funny to me to teach to the youth. They do one 11-minute episode where they don't say anything but the intro. And they just stare at the camera. I did that for youth group one Sunday morning. And the four kids that were in there, after about two minutes, were flipping and flopping like fish. <laughs> Are our attention spans that small? I mean, would it be too much to ask to spend more than two minutes with God? Five minutes? 
You may need to start somewhere, right? I mean, I know that TikTok is caught in fire because they're short videos. But I really, 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 really want to challenge you with something. A radical something. What if, what if to be still and know God, you cleared your entire schedule? Obviously, not eliminating the things that you have to do, like work. I got to work. I can't just clear that. The boss would not be happy. But what if you radically cleared everything off your schedule? Everything. And then ask God, God, anything that is not ordained by you, remove it. Don't let me put it back on my schedule. Because ultimately, it may be good, sure. But good is the direct enemy of best. Ask God, put only what is best on my schedule. And eliminate those times that really don't matter. You ever notice how, like, if you're sick with a cold or the flu, or just sick in general, and you have to be in bed, how the world still operates without you? You ever notice that? We put so much importance on us. And God's like, I can handle it without you. I want you to be there. I want you to do things with me. In fact, I would love for you to do it with me and show others who my son is. I would love that. I want nothing more. But sometimes you've got to be still. My best thinking sometimes is in the shower. I would bet some of you would admit the same. Because you know why? You're not really doing anything. I mean, yeah, sure, you're thinking about, hopefully thinking about getting clean. But you're really not doing anything, are you? Your mind is at calm. It's at ease. Or those moments when maybe you're driving. Maybe you're, you should be looking at the road, not your screens. But your mind is maybe daydreaming and wandering, but those are probably some of the best thought-out moments in your life. Why? Because you're being still. Is it too much to ask to be still? Is it too much to ask to just go to a quiet place for a little bit with God? You know why? Because he is God. If I were to read this verse to true believers, not, I'm not saying you're not, but what I mean by that is people that knew the Hebrew, and I read I am, they would fall on their faces. You know, I say I am, I read I am God, and oh, okay, that's, that's nice, that's pretty, that's a pretty verse. He is God. Start putting him in his rightful place. Because the most important thing about you is how you think about God. And what you have to remember is this is not a theology that says everything will work out because it may not. But he knows better than us. And you have to be okay with that. Because he will be exalted among the nations. And he will be exalted above the people in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us the God of angel armies, the God of thousands upon thousands of angels is with us. Have you ever noticed one of the prayers that we often pray is, God be with us? Kind of interesting, don't you think, when Jesus commissioned the disciples and he said, I will always be with you. Even God here is saying, I will be with you. But yet we continue to pray, be with us. And God is saying, like I said before, I am always with you. It's you who have left me. Repent and come back. We are prodigal sons more often than we like to admit. You know what, though? I am thankful that when those moments I screw up, and I screw up a lot, when I screw up, I'm glad I'm able to come back to him. And the God of Jacob goes back to what I was saying. So 
the God of Jacob. Why doesn't it just say the God of Israel? Because it's to remind us that Jacob, who was a deceiver, when he screwed up, even God embraced him. You're going to fail. You're going to screw up. Okay. You know, I think about, for those of you who have had kids in your life, for those of you who have had some kids in your life, and they are in that transition of crawling to walking, when they stand up and they're upright and they're able to take a couple steps, how do you react? Do you be like, shake it off. Rub some dirt on it. Get up and walk some more. No. You're like, if they're starting to walk, you're like, oh my goodness, you're walking. I think too often we look at God as like, he's like, I knew you were going to fail. I need to bring out my, my ruler, my long ruler. and just. He's, he wants you to take steps of faith. He wants you to take some steps. Yeah, sure, they may be small. They may not go very far. The journey of any long journey takes the initial steps, right? You've got to take those steps. Where is the time, or what is the time, and where is the place? Here and now. So this psalm was to praise God for his deliverance from Assyria. So when the messengers came back to Hezekiah, I told you, Sennacherib didn't know that. So Sennacherib essentially said back to the people of Israel, do not listen to the king Hezekiah. King Hezekiah is lying to you. The Lord will not save you. Look at what I've done to all those other nations that had all those other gods. Essentially, I just wiped, wiped the slate clean. It was, you know, dirt, dead bodies, birds eating dead people, that kind of stuff. I could probably get a little bit more graphic, but cool. But essentially, that's what he said. He said, your king is lying to you. Your God will not save you. I've defeated all these other gods. Look at me. I'm King Sennacherib. So he sends a letter. 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 14. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers, and he read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Before I go any further, the altar is open. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord. Hezekiah got still, and he knew who God was. And he said, O Lord, God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God. Be still and know that I am God. You alone of all, you, uh, you are God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You made heaven and earth. Huh, imagine that. No man has ever done that. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And he hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast out their gods into the fire because they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they destroyed them. Verse 19. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, I pray, save us. Save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord our God, Adonai, Elohim, Yahweh, you alone are God. I challenge you this morning as you leave here today, I know we have a picnic, whatever. <laughs> Take it upon yourselves to be still and know that when you're out of control, when medicine, doctors, science, technology, money can't save you, there is only one that can. There's only one in whose hope you should have, 
That's why his, Jesus Christ's name is Emmanuel, God with us. Because he is with you. He is with me. Don't forget that. It's real easy to step into your emotions when something happens. You need to take a step back and see who's got this. Because when you see only what you see and know only what you know, you don't see everything and you don't know everything. Only he does. That's what makes him God. Lord, save us. You know, it's interesting to me that Sennacherib took this letter and laid it out before God. How many of us would need to take our finances, our careers, whatever else is going on, our physical health, and lay those out before God? I don't know if it's something tangible. It may be a tax return that you owe a lot of money. It may be something else, a piece of paper. I don't know. Maybe on the screen. Put it on the screen and pray. Say, oh, Lord, save us. I've done everything in my strength that I know how to do. And that's typically where we end up, right? We've done everything that we know how to do. Why is it the last, why is God last? <coughs> he should have been the first thing. Prayer should have been the first thing. But lay it out before him. Say, God, save us. Save me. Our world, our politics, the foundations are crumbling before our very eyes. Capitalism is crumbling. Save us, oh God. You are God. You are God alone. So hey, we have a picnic. <laughs> your, your body language is kind of but this isn't meant to be a psalm of dread, and this is meant to be a psalm of celebration. These people were delivered. Now, it may, things may not turn out the way that you want them, but there is deliverance in a way that God only knows. We need that, right? Who couldn't use some deliverance? Deliverance is found up here. Deliverance is at the altar. As we stand and the music team comes up, Think about what you need delivered from. Do you need a miracle? They still happen. Last time I checked. But too many people are only praying for selfish things. They don't want miracles. They only want the surface level to be taken care of. I want a miracle, don't you? Miracles happen at the altar. Miracles happen because of prayer. You've got a lot of things probably in your own life maybe you don't want to admit. Maybe you don't want to see somebody walking to this altar. Who cares if you're walking to the altar? It doesn't mean something bad's happening. It doesn't mean that at all. Who are we to say that? But you've probably got stuff in your life you need to lay out before the Lord and ask him. God, you are alone. You are alone, the God who saves. Save us. Perform your miracle. Show us what we need. Be our refuge. Be our strength. Because I don't care how much time I spend in the gym. I am pretty weak when it comes to other things. But I am strong because I have the Lord. When I rest on Him, my life is completely different than when I... Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.